Scripture often reminds us that our actions have a profound impact on the world. So being a disciple isn't a spectator sport. We must participate in order to create a world filled with justice, compassion, and love. But we're also invited to pause and experience the divine gift of creation and the majesty of the Creator. We're called to recognize that Jesus is our hope and our salvation. If we can shape our lives around the heartfelt belief that Jesus is the Messiah, then we can truly build the kingdom on earth. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle A of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle A. Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, it's chapter 22, verses 19 through 23. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, it's chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. And our gospel reading is from Matthew, it's chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, just a couple things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Isaiah is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter to the Romans is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Now, tonight we'll see that Eliakim is driven like a peg, Paul wonders if God is in your debt, and the disciples play guess who? Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to Shebna, master of the palace, I will depose you from your office, and you will be ousted from your position. On that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will become a seat of honor for the house of his father. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? 
who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And our gospel reading is from Matthew. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around just a little bit? So our first reading was from the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And in this passage, we're getting a, a glimpse of a, a pretty intense situation. Isaiah was having a chat with Shebna, but really it's God talking through Isaiah. It's like Isaiah was delivering a message straight from the divine source. Now, things weren't looking so great for Shebna because he'd been going against what the Lord wanted, and that's just a bit of a no-no. The tone of the reading is pretty strong, which is appropriate because it's a reminder that actions have consequences. You know, it's like, it's like when we're upset with someone because they did something wrong. It's, it's not that we're trying to be mean, but we want them to understand that what they did wasn't okay. That's kind of what's happening here. And, and in the midst of all this, we, we see a shift. Eliakim is brought into the picture. He, he's the one who's going to step in as a leader for the house of David. It's interesting how this connects to something Jesus said to Peter in our gospel reading about having the keys to the kingdom. But this, this passage is also one that makes God seem more human. You know, getting angry and sort of punishing Shebna by removing him from power. But that's not really the point. What this reading does is show us that God cares very deeply about how we live our lives and the choices we make. It's not about punishment for the sake of punishment. It's about understanding that our actions have consequences. So the main message I got from our first reading is that our actions matter. Shebna defied the Lord, narrowly escaped, and then 
we didn't read it tonight, but then went on and feasted and celebrated instead of repenting and asking for forgiveness. That's why the Lord chose Eliakim to step up and take on what was for him new responsibilities. The lesson for us is that, especially when we make poor choices and defy the Lord, we need to step up and make positive changes in our lives. Even when things seem tough, there's always a way for redemption and and for a fresh start. But the first step is understanding that our actions really do matter. Our second reading was from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And in this reading, St. Paul really went in a different direction than Isaiah did by reminding us that while we might try to understand God, the truth is that God's ways are truly beyond our grasp. It's like trying to explain the mysteries of the universe with a crayon drawing. Paul was basically saying, look, human minds just can't fully comprehend the depths of God's wisdom and knowledge. You know, it's kind of like looking up at the sky at night and seeing all those stars. You know there are a lot of them. But you you can't count them all. And, and when some scientist estimates that there are 200 billion trillion of them, it's just such a huge number that it's hard to even get your mind around it. In the same way, we can't fully fathom the, the vastness of God's understanding. The Lord isn't just another being that we can counsel or advise God isn't sitting up there in the clouds waiting for our opinions on how things should be done. God is the ultimate source of wisdom and knowledge. And and St. Paul was telling the Christians in Rome that sometimes it's best to just trust in that wisdom. Paul was trying to make it clear that we, we can't put God in our debt. We can't say, hey, I did this, so you owe me that. That's, that's not how it works. Everything comes from God. The flowers, the trees, the the world, the stars, the entire universe, all of it. All of it comes from God. And it's all created for God's glory. So the main message I got from our second reading is that we should simply experience the gift of wonder and awe. Instead of figuring out how to work the system, which is what most people try to do, we we should approach God with humility and reverence. Instead of trying to define God, trying trying to put God in a box, we should just stand in awe of the Creator and of creation. And, And if we do anything, we should simply praise and honor God. St. Paul was talking about acknowledging that we're not the center of the universe, but we are part of a a beautiful divine design that's beyond our understanding. So instead of trying to understand or influence God, we should simply experience the gift of wonder and awe. And finally, our gospel reading was from Matthew. And in this passage, Jesus was he was having a bit of a heart-to-heart with his disciples. He asked them 
who do people say I am? Now, you might wonder if Jesus is, is he just being inquisitive or, or is there something deeper going on? You know, like, like when a teacher asks a question, not just to get an answer, but to make you think. So, so the disciples give him a rundown of what people were saying. John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. But then came the real question. Who do you say I am? Uh, and that's where things got a little interesting. Simon Peter always seems ready to share his thoughts, blurted out, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, this wasn't just another response, though. It, it was a profound revelation. It's like that moment when something just clicks and you realize a truth that changes everything. Jesus acknowledged that this insight hadn't come from mere human wisdom. It was a divine revelation. And that's when he declared that on this rock, I will build my church. Now, to be clear, many imaginative or ill-informed Catholics believe that Peter is the rock Jesus is speaking about. Because Peter, Jesus' nickname for Simon, means rock in the original Greek text. But Petros, Peter's nickname, means small rock. While Petras, the word Jesus used for rock, actually means something much larger like bedrock. But if Peter is the small rock, then what is the bedrock that the church will be built upon? Well, if we go back a couple verses, Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Many people believe that's the answer. That's the bedrock. But but that's not even clear. Is, is Jesus himself the bedrock? Or is the belief that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, is that the bedrock upon which the church will be built? And so we're left wondering, what, what is the bedrock on which the church will be built? Is It's not Peter, who is certainly not the first pope, in spite of the, the legends that began in the 5th century. So is it the foundational belief that Jesus is the Messiah? Or is the bedrock Jesus himself? Now, frankly, although I, I find these questions very interesting... I think it distracts us from the main point, which is really about divine revelation. Yes, Jesus did go on to talk about giving them the keys of the kingdom of heaven, but still, I still think it causes us to miss what's most important. You see, the main message I got from our gospel reading is that we must truly recognize Jesus as the Messiah. This reading isn't about Peter, and it definitely doesn't establish apostolic succession. It's, it's about recognizing Jesus for who he truly is. That's the beginning of everything. As Christians, we can't simply rely on hearsay or a surface-level understanding about Jesus. We need to strive for a deep, heartfelt recognition that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God. And true recognition like that isn't just a result of human reasoning. 
It's a gift from God. Jesus told us that this revelation is the key. It's, it's a call to have faith, to recognize the divine amidst the earthly, and to build our lives on the bedrock of his truth and love. But to do that, we have to truly recognize Jesus as the Messiah. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. Uh, in our first reading from Isaiah, the main message I came away with was our actions matter. In our second reading from Romans, the main message I got was we should simply experience the gift of wonder and awe. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was we must truly recognize Jesus as the Messiah. You know, as we explore the scriptures, we're often reminded that each action we take, every choice we make, has a profound impact on the world around us. That's why being a disciple isn't a passive spectator sport. We have to participate in order to create a world filled with justice, compassion, and love. But in the midst of it all, we're invited to pause and simply experience the wonder and awe of existence. The beauty of this world is a divine gift, and through it we can discover the, the majesty of the Creator. We, it, we're also called to something even greater, to a recognition that Jesus is not just some historical figure. He's our hope and our salvation. If we can understand his teachings, embrace his radical love, and, and shape our lives around the heartfelt belief that Jesus is the Messiah, then we can truly build the kingdom on earth. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become clear. To do this, I like to answer two questions. So what? And now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because our actions ripple through society, affecting the lives of those around us and the world we share. When we actively engage in acts of justice, compassion, and love, we honor our call to bring about positive change and we create a, a more equitable world. It's not enough to stand by. We have to be intentional participants in building a better future. This is important because it can't just be about doing good works. We also need to take moments to truly embrace the wonder and awe of creation and of the Creator. It's such a simple way to help us connect with the divine in our everyday lives. In the midst of the challenges and chaos of modern-day life, we need to remember the, the beauty that surrounds us, a beauty that reflects the goodness of our Creator. And it helps us keep things in perspective. It, it grounds us. It fuels our gratitude. And it strengthens our determination to, to protect and care for this precious world. This is important because recognizing Jesus as the Messiah is a foundational belief that shapes our identity as Christians. 
understanding his teachings and living out his radical love in the world today empowers us to bring hope to those who are suffering. It, it empowers us to be catalysts for positive change. By living out his message of compassion, forgiveness, and justice, we help build the kingdom here and now. We should care about these messages because they call us not only to care deeply, but to act boldly. And the conviction that we can make a lasting impact, leaving a, a legacy of love and, and change for generations to come. And the last question I try to answer is, well, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Well, one of the best ways to know the Lord is to take a closer look at what God is doing in the great big world all around us. So with that in mind, here's your real question for the week. Where do I see the Holy Spirit at work in the world today? Now, th this question it encourages us to shift our focus from the personal to the communal, from the from the individual to the collective. It, it prompts us to recognize that the divine presence isn't confined to the sacred spaces of our hearts, but is actively engaged in the broader world. Paying attention to what's going on in the world around us can help us begin to see the countless ways the Spirit is inspiring compassion, fostering justice, and inspiring positive change across the globe. Taking the time to answer this question, can it can kindle hope, it can strengthen our faith, and empower us to contribute more intentionally to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, the, the work of shaping a better world. So spend some time this week answering the question, where do I see the Holy Spirit at work in the world today? Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're looking around for signs of the Spirit at work in the world, remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Good deeds can be done by anyone. But think about the power we have when people come together in the name of Jesus to, to worship, to pray, and build community. When Christians bring individuals and communities together at local or even global levels, the Holy Spirit can empower them to spread love, compassion, and positive change. But the fact remains that even two or three people working together in Jesus's name can help create a more just and compassionate world. All right, we've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, I encourage you to just use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, 
engage, accept, and lead. For more information on the real values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.